Hi, everyone. Welcome to a social distancing episode of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're restarting Packers Unscripted here from our homes during the COVID-19 pandemic, doing the best we can with the technology that is available. Wes and my friend, how was your weekend and how are you? Well, I'm doing good, Mike. I like how we're slowly but surely evolving with our backgrounds. I still have some work to do. I got to remove the board games over here. And obviously, you have that nice bookshelf in the background. We're all adapting. We're all adjusting. And we're all healthy. So that's the, the most important thing. Yeah, I just happen to have to move into another room from where I've been for some other videos because my wife also has video conferencing and things to do. And we've been sharing a home office. So we're making do here as best we can. As we restart unscripted over this week and next week we're going to be doing a series of episodes previewing the draft and in doing so looking at the Packers roster position by position where how the positions are shaping up heading into the draft there's also a written series on the website going position by position if you want to check that out as well we will follow that along here during our uh, unscripted episodes today we're going to touch on the quarterbacks and the running backs We'll start there. So, Wes, I'm just going to throw this at you. There's Aaron Rodgers, Tim Boyle, and Manny Wilkins right now in the Packers quarterback room and whenever they actually reconvene in a room, as we like to say. A lot of people wondering what exactly the Packers are going to do at quarterback, if anything, in the draft. Do you see that quarterback room changing in the draft after the draft? And if so, how high a pick do you think Green Bay might use at that position? Yeah, I definitely think it's within the realm of possibilities that the Packers draft a quarterback this year. It'll have been five years now since they drafted Brett Hundley, so there is time to do that. The only thing that I keep coming back to, though, is the people that are talking about a quarterback at number 30. Now, yeah. while Brian Gutekunst has left all of his options on the table and has made sure to mention numerous times that no matter what happens, they're going to play the board out as it, as it stands. But the other way I look at it, too, kind of goes back to how I approach quarantining life. And that is with milk, Mike. I'm sure you eat cereal. I eat cereal. My son drinks milk. You can only buy so much milk and actually consume all the milk. Sometimes <laughs> it'll just end up spoiling on you if you don't get to it in time. I don't know if I necessarily see the point in drafting a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers' successor, this year, this early. The situation that I've tried to lay out, and you also pinpointed it in your story as well, is that Rodgers' situation is so different from what the Packers went through with Brett Favre because he says time and time again he wants to play into his 40s. He looks at a guy like Tom Brady with admiration of what he's been able to do in the latter half and this final stage of his career. And Rodgers, the way that he trains and takes care of himself, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to be doing this for another four, five, six years barring injury. That being said, I think the Packers have a lot of issues, not issues, but a lot of areas where they could address in this first round. And that number 30 pick is very valuable, Mike. A lot of other people have talked about Aaron Rodgers. They took him in 2005 when they didn't really need him. But the thing was, is he was the only guy left on their board with the first round grade at that point. And they also didn't have the fifth year option. So if there is a quarterback available, maybe that's where you see another team draft up, trade up to get that pick. Those are all the things kind of going through my mind right now as the Packers have to make a really big decision there in the next few years. Yeah, I'm with you there too. I mean, we've seen a lot of mock drafts that have the Packers taking a quarterback at number 30, whether it be Jordan Love from Utah State, Jacob Eason from Washington. Those are a couple of guys 
that uh, some of the draft Knicks have going to Green Bay at number 30. But I'm with you. With Rodgers having four years left on his contract, with him being very clear about how long he wants to play and the fact that the Packers just got to an NFC championship game a year ago, Rodgers is not talking retirement at all. I just don't see necessarily the investment in that quarterback of the future right now. And I've said this in inbox before as well, when if you do it now and Rodgers is still going to play for three or four, or maybe five more years, you have to make a decision on a second contract with that quarterback of the future before you've even seen him play. And so I don't understand that timeline really working for the Packers in that respect. And the other thing too, I've said this all along. I think that, as you mentioned, if a quarterback, one of the top first round quarterbacks falls to Green Bay at number 30, I think that pick becomes potentially really valuable as a trade piece for Brian Gutekunst. He can trade back, maybe it's five or six or eight or 10 spots, still get a really good player at the top of the second round. And recoup another draft pick to be able to use to address some of those other areas on the roster that we're going to be talking about here as the week goes along. Now, that being said, a mid-round or late-round draft pick on a quarterback to add some competition for those backup spots with Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins, I could totally see the Packers doing that with Gutekunst coming into this draft with 10 picks, including five of them in the final two rounds bringing another quarterback and, uh, and having a full-fledged competition for that number two job, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, and, and there's so many times, I, meant, I made this argument in Insider Inbox last month, you look around the NFL right now at these teams with quarterbacks, established quarterbacks over 35 years old, how many of them have a hand point accessor, you know, successor, hair apparent at this point? They sure. don't. Uh, right now, the Los Angeles Chargers look like they're going to be moving into the season next year with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback after he was a backup and a veteran that they signed last year. They don't really have that in Pittsburgh. Certainly New England is going through it right now in the post Tom Brady era. So it's not that uncommon and it's almost a real strong luxury to be able to have a guy that you feel is going to be the next person to take the reins at the quarterback position. All that being said, so many times, Mike, I go back to what Ron Wolf did. He had a really nice plethora of quarterbacks coming through Green Bay during that time. None of them were day one or day two, what would be day one or day two picks. They were all fourth rounders, fifth rounders, sixth rounders, and they had opportunity and they took advantage of it. That's what I'm looking forward to. Maybe find somebody that can push Tim Boyle, can push Manny Wilkins, but not necessarily lock yourself into having to make sure that this guy's on the roster and he is the next guy. Yeah, and I'll make one last point on this too. The other approach to go about it when you look at the, at the succession plan, so to speak, Maybe you just wait until Rodgers is done. You invest what you need to in the quarterback of the future, and then you try to do what the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson, what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, which is to win a Super Bowl on, with a quarterback on a rookie contract because you can spend a lot of money salary cap-wise elsewhere on the roster to build yourself up and make that run. So that's the approach that a lot of other teams have, uh, have taken as well. So with that, uh, um, should we move on to running backs? Yeah, let's move on to running backs. I'm excited to talk about this. Okay. Well, here's the interesting thing with the Packers at running back, Wes. When you do what Brian Gutekunst did in the draft, I'm sorry, what Ted Thompson did in the draft a few years ago, and you stockpile at one position, well, here now the Packers are with Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Jones, excuse me, and Jamal Williams as your one-two punch in the backfield, but they're both entering their contract year at the same time because they were drafted in the same year. So the running back position, 
the Packers definitely have to look to the future here and I think make some plans for where this position is going to go because as much as Jones and Williams are best friends, they're a great one-two punch, they've been really, really close personally since the day they arrived in Green Bay, it's probably not realistic from a salary cap perspective to keep both guys beyond this year. Maybe it could happen, I don't know. It just doesn't seem likely. So planning for the future at the running back position, I definitely think that's on the table in this draft for Green Bay. Yeah, because it's so rare that you actually get two running backs that even go into a fourth season together. At some <laughs> point, you know, you don't draft guys typically the same year. They end up being kind of, you know, delved off a little bit in terms of when they enter the league. And then here they are now and going into year four, and both of them are established players. I firmly believe, and I've said it to you a numerous amount of times, I think Jamal Williams could be a 1,000-yard rusher in this offense. I think he could be a 1,000-yard running back in the NFL. And I imagine he wants to get that opportunity at some point. Aaron Jones became the prominent playmaker I think everybody thought he could be last year in this offense in multifaceted. It's not just as a running back. It's not as a scat back. It's as a receiver. It's as a power guy in the middle of the field when he needs to. Aaron Jones, I look at this year that he's entering now in 2019 or 2020, excuse me. I wish it was 2019. Uh, I look at this as an opportunity for him to not only show that last year wasn't, you know, an aberration or anything like that, that that was something that he actually can do tangibly every single season. But I think it's also an opportunity for him to show that, you know what, I'm one of the best running backs in the National Football League at this point. Those two guys together in tandem, I think they're one of the top one-two punches they have right now in the NFL. But all that being said, you also have to keep an eye on the future. And while I still don't think number 30 is going to be Jonathan Taylor or something like that, it makes sense, you know, where they found Jamal Williams in the fourth round, Aaron Jones in the fifth round. You go back a lot of years, James Starks, for as much as people kind of ragged on him about the injuries, he was a heck of a find in the sixth round. Those type of players are out there and they're ready to make impacts. So when you have Dexter Williams, Tyler Irvin obviously coming back, there's depth there, but maybe you find another prospect to bring into that to also have in the back shelf now, depending on what happens with Jones and Williams over the next year. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Packers brought back Tyler Irvin at running back. He's sort of that uh, change of pace. I guess I call it a niche role in the offense. There are going to be certain plays, certain packages that we saw where Matt LaFleur likes to use him in certain situations. He's also obviously the primary return man on special teams on the roster right now. Dexter Williams drafted in the sixth round last year out of Notre Dame, was inactive on game day for the better part of his rookie season. I think we saw, Wes, things like catching the ball out of the backfield, the pass protection. Those things are works in progress with Dexter Williams. I don't know if the Packers are necessarily going to feel like he can just step in and be the number two guy right away if either Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams were to miss time with injury. So, so as I said, planning for the future at that position to see where this goes. I think with Aaron Jones and trying to get a new contract after this year, we all know that's not going to come cheap. And as you mentioned with Jamal Williams, he may be looking for an opportunity where he's not second fiddle, so to speak, and he gets a chance to be more of a feature back somewhere. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, you mentioned him. He's one of these first or second round running backs that's being talked about out there. I'll glance at my list here quickly. Also, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. A couple of other guys mentioned that if the Packers are going to go running back in the first round or maybe the second round, those are the guys that um, 
that could be available, could be on the board there. And then I've also seen uh, some, you know, mock drafts in, in the second round or beyond linking the Packers to Cam Akers from Florida State or maybe Zach Moss from Utah. As you mentioned, I, I think there are always the, you know, when you look at the fact that Jamal Williams was a fourth round pick, Aaron Jones was a fifth round pick. You mentioned James Starks being a sixth round pick. Those kind of picks don't always work out. Right. But when they do, they really, really help you because uh, because the Packers have found a lot of production at the running back position over the last few years, and they did not have to spend what you'd consider a premium draft pick in order to get that production. Yeah, it's just funny when you go back and look at it over the years. The Packers have actually, you know, going back to 2010, you know, they've had success finding running backs and finding different types of running backs to fit these offenses. Certainly when they invested the second rounder with Eddie Lacy, he paid them off for that. I mean, he was a big part of those two teams in 2013 and 14 and the success that they had on the ground and really revitalizing the running game. And I think you've seen a very similar impact with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and what they've done since 2017. So it is going to be interesting, though, because there are going to be guys up there that could tempt Packers. I mean, you look at Swift. Swift's one of my favorite guys in this draft class. He's just a little, you know, brick house with, you know, five foot eight, <laughs> 212 pounds. I mean, he brings everything you want in like a power type back, especially with the low center of gravity. He could be available. He could be interesting. And certainly Jonathan Taylor is a guy that Wisconsin sport fan, sports fans are really familiar with uh, and had a prolific career with the Badgers. And I think no matter where it ends up, uh, he's going to make some teams running game a lot better. For me, though, when I look at Green Bay, there's just, you know, there's so many positions. We're going to get to talking about them in the next few days that I think can make an a, address an immediate need not that you always draft for that but if there isn't one guy that maybe is a top 10 pick that falls to you you know where you find comparable players I, I see it as a luxury position right now but that being said it doesn't mean that at some point during those three days you can't find a guy to make that room better yeah I agree with you I think I think running back is a is a position that's on the priority list for the Packers but not necessarily in the first round unless you know, you compare it to the Aaron Rodgers situation of 2005, unless one of these running backs is just far and away the best player in the draft and, and at the time that the Packers are on the clock at 30. Otherwise, I'm with you. Some of these positions we'll be talking about as our uh, preview episodes continue. I think those are going to be a little bit higher on the priority list for the Packers. So any final thoughts here on these couple of spots, Wes, before we sign off? I'd be remiss. I have to throw one more shout out for Ashwabanon's own James Morgan. We were talking about quarterbacks. You were asking about mid-round guys potentially. Absolutely. He's a guy, the FIU quarterback um, certainly has, has done nothing but to improve his draft stock over the past month, two months. Uh, and especially during a time, Mike, if you look at a lot of these boards, a lot of these pundits, the boards have pretty much stayed the same. There's no big pro days to wow anybody or, or any kind of things that are leaking out that are making people look at, oh, this guy's getting 25 pre-draft visits. So a guy like Morgan doing the kind of steady escalation that he's had, I think speaks a lot to his arm talent, a lot to his ability. And if you talk to him, he's a guy that knows how to carry himself. He knows how to lead. And if you look at his last season at FIU, I know statistically it wasn't as impressive as the previous year, but he also battled through a lot of injuries too to stay on the field for them. And I think watching his story unfold, whether it would be Green Bay or otherwise, it's going to be really interesting because Green Bay, not known as a big area for developing NFL talent, especially at the quarterback position. And here's a guy like James Morgan trying to become the first Green Bay Metro alumnus 
to be able to get drafted in the NFL in three decades. Yeah, I think uh, there will be a lot of folks in the Green Bay area watching the draft who will be paying attention to uh, James Morgan and his story and where he, end, where he ends up because for a guy who is not at a Power 5 conference, he's a quarterback who's uh, certainly getting a lot of attention. His, uh, his story will be fun to watch. So with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. We will continue this draft preview series. Right now, we're looking at this week, next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, kind of being our, our schedule, if all goes well from a technology standpoint. So we will do the best we can there. For now, for Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you.